turning. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, today's topic is one, and, you know, we've had offline discussions on this. this is a, it's a really, really frustrating uh, experience as a small business owner to, to be dealing with uh, literally people trying to steal from you or successfully stealing from you. Yep. And, uh, you know, you mentioned in your, in your tweet, um, the, uh, that, that oftentimes we as business owners are told, uh, we have to just suck it up as a cost of doing business. Yep. And I am so tired <laughs> of, of hearing that. I mean, I, yes, I understand that there is a cost yep. of doing business. But I, I feel that that phrase is so readily, uh, you know, used as an excuse. It's the uh, scapegoat of business, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's such a scapegoat, and it, it is. I think it is true that psychologically, and we're gonna we'll dive a little deeper into this because that 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 is a big challenge for me. The the psychological component of this, but but psychologically, a lot of these uh, uh, companies out there will you know uh, expect you to just change your mindset in terms of like how your dollars are you're dealing with. And it's weird coming from, you know, a place where you're dealing with your personal finances mm-hmm. to have to just accept a degree of waste, yep. right? Whether it's via, uh, you know, fraud money being stolen from you or just like, you know, missteps in, in production or, absolutely, uh, um, you know, R and D expenses and, and all that stuff. There's, there is no shortage of opportunities to lose money yes. in business. Yes. Right. And so, uh, you know, trying to manage that waste is, to me, uh, tough. I, I don't I'm, – I'm conservative in that regard. I hate feeling like I'm wasting money on stuff or wasting time on stuff or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, not letting that, you know, get to you uh, is, is a challenge some days. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, as uh, as business owners, we're so, you know, small business owners, I should say, we're so close to the pulse of the business, right? And the pulse of that business being the money that it brings in and the money that goes out, <laughs> you, you right. know, and, 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 you know, quite frankly, a lot of times our livelihoods are, are really staked on that pulse of the business, you know, like, we're drawing money from the business. And, uh, you know, uh, if you're not you know, as, as I've mentioned before, paying yourself first, your, um, you know, your payout drastically changes depending on the performance of said business. Um, oh, dras- <laughs> drastically. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, as, as, as you deal with these expenses or costs of doing business that, that so many people like to just, you know, push off on, uh, you know, it, it's taking out of your pocket directly. Um, and right, it makes it right. harder to, for one, grow your business, but two, just, you know, suffer through those storms where you might have a down month or a couple months or, or whatever it might be. Right. Right. You right. know, insult right. to injury. <laughs> for, for sure. And, you know, so before we get too far into the weeds on the fraud part specifically, you know, I, I'm wondering what thoughts you have on just like the mindset of, of what is an acceptable amount of – I don't think waste is the right thing, but what is an acceptable amount of cost of doing business? And that, I think that, mm-hmm. that that's obviously a moving target as you sure. go, right? So, so maybe we think of it as in, in percentages or whatever. But that was a really tough thing for me to grasp because every time like we botched an order and we had to reship something, mm-hmm. I was like – Ah, you know that's that's another twenty dollar. You yep. know, and and in the big scheme of things, like twenty bucks, it's nothing. Becomes so yeah, <laughs> it can become so small. Yeah. 
but but when you're first getting started, you're like, well, geez, that's twenty bucks I would have rather had in my pocket than like having to reship something, and then multiply that by ten or a hundred or a th- I mean, yeah. You know, there, there's so many opportunities for missteps absolutely uh, as you're as you're going along the way right so yeah you know um, i think it's hard to to quantify what is an acceptable amount I, I think it really comes down to your personal level level of comfort of you know just again dealing with these things that you have to deal with as a business owner um you know one of the episodes we didn't get to talk too much because we had technical difficulties but i was mentioning uh with time management right um Early in the early days of, of Gloop, we would actually make our labels ourselves, like on a cricket machine, right? right and right, as right. a part yeah. of that, the reason why we were we were doing that was because we had a lot more time than we had dollars. But as a part of that yeah. came waste, where we screwed up cutting out, you know, things, right? And we would yeah. every single time we did it, it's like, oh shoot, you know, that hurts, right? You know, we're talking like pieces, you know, label paper. It's like fifty cents a sheet. But you know, when you get four labels, you know, per it, like it brings the cost down. But you lose a whole sheet, and it's like, oh well, shoot, there there goes fifty cents, and you lose, you know, another one, another one, another one, and it starts adding up, right? And in the early right. days, right when we were bootstrapping this thing, like you know, we were penny pension. <laughs> you know, yeah. where where literally every single twenty dollar bill mattered. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because again, we were just trying to build this thing with just what the company could bring in. No additional money. No additional anything. The hardest possible path you could take. Right. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was, it was part of the challenge. Um, but what we quickly learned is, is that as we scaled, we had to, we had to start accepting these and just saying, well, okay, we are going to screw up. We need to try and, you know, implement ways to which we're going to not screw up as much, but we've got to, you know, just kind of normalize that cost. Right. So I think it it, it comes down to the normalization. Um, yeah, you know that that you kind of have to go through, and I think every business goes through it. But I think how you go through that normalization is the important aspect, right? Of of building a successful business, or um, you know, a small business, medium business, even large businesses. How do you normalize, and to what level you normalize, right? Because uh, you know, there's you know, in in my previous days with with our you know my first startup. Uh, you know, we normalize losses like it wasn't a big deal, right? It's like, oh, well, hey, you know, big issue came up. We botched a batch of PCBs, right? There goes, you know, $30,000 in PCBs. Yes, it sucked, but, you know, when you had, you know, $2.5 million in the account, you know, dedicated for, like, R&D purposes, that $32,000 wasn't a, you know, it, it wasn't as big of a hit, compared to two and a half million versus, you know, $20 versus, you know, $1,000 or $500, right? You know, so how do you start normalizing these things as a business, right? Um, And and I'm not saying (laughs) that was the best example, but, you know, that's kind of some of my past experience with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Really quick shout out, Michael, uh, Fixum Dude and Adam, welcome. Good to see you guys this morning. Hope you guys are having a good End of your week. Oh, Vishal just joined us. How's it going? Good to see you too. Um, we're we're kind of just getting into this this uh, this fraud piece, and and thankfully, you know, this is something that I think when you're first getting started, you don't have to deal too much, but it becomes almost one of those tragic metrics of success mm-hmm. over time. You know, right? And uh, you know, we're, we're starting off by talking about kind of the psychological effect of like waste on your company, uh, because 
this is one of the ones that uh, is oftentimes saying, well, you know, it's something you're going to have to deal with. It's a cost of doing business and, and, you know, you just have to be prepared for some degree of it. But as somebody who really struggles with, with, you know, wasted dollars, because like we're both bootstrapped, this mm-hmm. is really any, any money that's wasted is just less money that we have to reinvest in the business or pay ourselves or pay our employees yep. or hire new people or any of the, you know, any of that stuff. And so, um, you know, setting your mental state in a place and you, you talk about normalizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of times my fear is that, that, uh, a lot of the entities that you deal with out there, you know, whether it's the, the, the banks dealing with chargebacks or whatever, like they're just constantly almost over normalizing yep. it where they want you to just, go, you know, go away. This is, yep. just, this is normal. It sucks, but it's a cost of doing business. Get over it. Yep. Right. And, and while, while it's certainly not healthy to dwell on it, my fear is, is that when you over-normalize it, that, that, you know, think about how many companies uh, that have fallen by the waysides are victim, victims of excess and waste, yep. right? You know, like it's, and especially when it's other people's money and venture capital and stuff like the burn rate on some of these like high dollar companies and stuff like that, because nobody's really, you know, everybody's just like, oh, cost of doing business, cost of doing business before you know what you're bankrupt. Yep, that's um, exactly it. Now, now that seems, you know, extreme, but I think it's very easy to start sliding down that route because every step along the way as you're building a business, you know, all these vendors you're dealing with, all these third-party integrations and all that stuff, they're going to they're gonna want to take a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. And, and before you know it, you're just like, oh my gosh, my monthly expenses are out of control here. Like how much do I really need these things? And yep. so, you know, that's a bit of a rabbit hole and a digression for kind of a, a, a much broader topic. Yeah. But, um, where, where it gets particularly frustrating is, is in the case of fraud, like there is some extent, you know, there are tools and things that you can put in place to protect yourself. And we'll get into that in a second. Yes. Um, but, uh, but to have somebody actively trying to steal from you, like, and not feel that that, that doesn't feel personal, mm-hmm. right? Like, like, because we are small companies, like, like think about the impact. If you're like going to go in and stick up a mom and pop store versus just like running into Costco, uh, and just grabbing stuff. And they're just like, eh, whatever, you know, like doesn't even put a dent in the, in the, in the overall scheme of yeah. Um, and and so you're like, geez, man, you're gonna steal from me? Like, go make it, go, yep. you know, go <laughs> go rob Amazon? Like, yep. go, like why? Like, that's just so messed up in my mind. But it's because we are, you know, small and don't have some of the same protections in place that that makes us an easier target yes. sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think it's yeah. it's it makes us a really easy target. But also at the same time, I also think that a lot of people just kind of normalize businesses as, oh, hey, a business can just, you know, eat this loss, right? Oh, yeah. You can you write know, it you off. Can write you can it write it off. off. It, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's, you know. Writing things off is not free money. I hate <laughs> like that, that mentality too because a lot of people are just like, oh, you write it off and that's just. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, it doesn't you, you matter. No. <laughs> no, no, you still have that outline. Yep. You know, it's it's like, fine, I don't get taxed on it. Yeah. Uh, thankfully. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I could that. use that as but... a deduction <laughs> in, in the amount of taxes that I pay if I was lucky enough to make profit, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's only if I was lucky enough to make profit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, and I, I would much rather have my you know eleven hundred dollars back for the you know 
printer that was stolen from me or what, whatever it is. And we'll get into story time in a, in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not, I, you talk about normalization and I'm like, I hate it when it gets overly normalized. Like, yeah, you know, it sucks, but Hey, cost of doing Yeah. So, so the, the first step is just like, you got to set your mindset in a way where you're not gonna, um, go to the dark place too much or want to throw your hands up like, Oh, I'm busting my butt here yeah. and, and I'm doing this, just trying to scrape by to get, you know, people paid and pay myself. And then, and then now I got people like literally, you know, just robbing me and, and it makes you just want to just like, ah, this is, this even worth it sometimes, you know, yeah. so that's why I was saying it's, it's so deflating and depressing sometimes. It, so, it is. Yeah. It can be, I should say. So, the, <laughs> so, so what I, I and I, first of all, why don't you share? I, I don't know if you have you had much experience with fraud in your in your current business with glue. Yeah, and and then how have you kind of had to psychologically insulate yourself uh, from just going to the dark place? <laughs> sure. So thankfully, uh, you know, I can say that we have not really had to deal with too much fraud here. Um, we've had one case where a customer was unhappy and attempted to do a chargeback. Um, and, you know, we ended up, you know, being able to communicate with the bank saying, hey, um, you know, this was a, a valid purchase. We, sh you know, we're, we're in the process of shipping this product. Here's all of our communication with said customer. He's just unhappy. Um, we offered refunds multiple times. He refused to take them, blah, blah, blah. Um, you yeah. know, here's, here's all of the evidence. And the bank sided with us saying, yes, no, the, we're not going to go ahead and offer a chargeback. You know, um, happy. So story re for really, us. <laughs> re really quick for the for the listener out there, uh, j just explain what a chargeback is, because maybe not everybody out there. Sure. So price. so oftentimes when you're purchasing online, right, you're going to use a credit card or a debit card. Um, most times, right, when you are capable, when you're using a credit card, um, you have a, a layer of protection as a consumer um, that the credit card company has the ability to essentially claw back that money if the you know device or thing or whatever that you're purchasing um, is fraudulent in nature or perhaps you weren't the one who authorized the payment um, right it, it's this system in place that uh, these card holder or these you know credit card companies uh, basically offer uh, and what they do to the business right the business collects the money and you know uh, basically the credit card company has the ability to just say nope we're going to take that money back and they you know literally can just deduct it right out of your uh, of your account essentially, um, or your payment mm -hmm. processing, you know, system. And in doing so, that also, you know, it, it basically opens up a process in which you have, you know, a dispute, right? So as the business owner, you can say, hey, wait a second, this person, you know, purchased something valid, right? Like, here's all of the information, this shouldn't be charged back. And the, then the credit card company listens to their credit card holder, and they're like, okay, well, let's figure this out. And then from there, a decision's ultimately made. The money either stays at the business or it goes back to the customer, right? Um, right in the right. short of things. Yeah. Um, there's some fees yeah. and some other processes that go on, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is a which is a particularly... And again, not to digress too much on this point, but but it's a, it's a particularly large challenge that, that the bank, uh, in the case of chargebacks, gets to be judged during execution yep. on a lot of this stuff, which... Um, you know, as we mentioned on our last episode, when we're talking about third parties getting involved in some of the, the threats behind that. Now, obviously, in the case of taking credit cards and stuff like we're not a bank, we're not issuing credit cards and stuff. So we are absolutely dependent to some extent on a third party system 
in that regard. And unfortunately, the common practice these days is that in the case of a chargeback, almost always uh, the money is almost immediately pulled back as they are evaluating. Mm-hmm. Right? And so sometimes this process can take up to 90 days. In meantime, you know, money sitting in the bank's account or they put it oftentimes they'll credit back to the, yep. a temporary credit back to the individual while they investigate yep. it. So right there, that's a cost of doing business. Like there, there is always a potential for, you know, that money to get put on hold while things get evaluated. And then as you've, you know, experienced too, the bank will, you know, everybody can submit their evidence Mm -hmm. to their claim and then the bank will rule on the whole thing. And what they say is final. final. (laughs) Like basically, yeah, there is, there's no appeal process. There is no, you know, it doesn't matter uh, what, what, and and so like as a business, that's, that's particularly frustrating. Incredibly sometimes. Uh, (laughs) Because, yeah, you know, it's just, it feels really unfair, but hey, life is unfair. Yep, yep. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, thank you for that, that quick rundown and, um, on chargebacks. Uh, so you, what you bring up is actually a, a common type of, of there's, a, there's a term for it. I don't know if you've heard the term friendly fraud, mm-hmm. uh, but oftentimes uh, when you have people like that, either that are just admittedly unhappy and believe that they're entitled to refund. Yep. Uh, uh, or uh, a lot of times, like the when people will intentionally uh, order something and then it gets delivered to them, but they'll claim that it never got delivered to them, yes. and then issue a chargeback, uh, and that sucks, yes. right? Because now, like somebody's just lying, yep. and you you know, there's um, sometimes there's you, you know some carriers are better about proof of delivery and. Just de- dealing with the unsavory individuals out there that will inevitably exist. Yep. Um, and um, I, again, I, I, I suppose to some extent that is a cost of doing business. I think maybe the healthier perspective for it may be that, you know, like haters out there, you wear them as a badge of honor, as a metric of I've gotten to a point where I've. I've been down this road. I've achieved this degree of success where I've become a target. It's a weird accolade, right? right? <laughs> it is a very weird accolade. Uh, and one one that we would prefer not to have to deal with, but, you know, it, it, it happens. So, so we've got friendly fraud here where you've got people that are kind of trying to game the system from the uh, credit card side of things, yep. right? By, by just saying, like, I want to pull my money back because they know they're not going to have any success with you, well, and and that's a whole other thing. Oh like, yeah, it's fr- it's frustrating too when people don't communicate with you first. They'll just go straight to the yep. bank, right? Yep. And I'm like, work this out with you know. You didn't even bring it up with me that you have a problem, and then you're finding you know you're facing a chargeback. Yeah. Um, and so you know sometimes you have to be proactive about. That's where that's where your customer service part comes in, and and making sure you have a good relationship, and that you're you know sending those order confirmations, you're communicating with the customer throughout the process and after the process, um, that that will pay dividends in terms of of potential lack of of uh, chargebacks and and fraudulent uh, you know situations. It also makes it harder for people to want to steal from you when you're just like hey there's a there's a human at the other end of this thing that's just trying to run their business exactly um so you know again just another big big push for like you know have that relationship have that personal relationship with your customers as best as you can yes obviously you got a lot to juggle um you know as a business owner but uh you know that 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 adding that humanity to it 
uh, will will certainly be kind of your first line of defense. Yep. I would say. Yeah, I I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know, then we get into the d- deeper, darker sides of, of of fraud, where you're you're dealing with potentially people using stolen credit yes. cards, ident- identity theft. Um. Uh, it, it, hopefully, you know you're not in a place where you know somebody's physically breaking into your warehouse and taking things but i suppose there's you know there's theft in that regard too and it's funny because uh while that feels particularly brazen and probably rare comparatively it's so easy for a lot of these criminals out there to kind of justify the disconnect of like it feels like a victimless crime Mm -hmm. when you're just you know uh oh, oh the company will write it off the company and to some extent you, you companies do have to absorb that because it just doesn't become worth your time to chase it. Down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At, right. at some point, again, as a business, we have to we have to evaluate: Do we chase this? Do we keep fighting this, or do we just accept it and move forward? Right. Because if we look at yeah, the cost yeah. of investigation or the cost of attorney fees, right, these start scaling exponentially, seemingly. And and it, yeah. it used it used to be a completely different landscape. I remember back in the day when I was when I first went to school when I was first going to college, uh, that uh, that that I had a it was a like a high school buddy that somehow got in with somebody who had figured out how to steal credit card. This is literally like the the late nineties. Oh man! Okay? <laughs> and 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 so so back in the day, like this, it was really the beginnings of like online e commerce and stuff. And and uh, I remember this roommate telling me about how he was interacting with his buddy and and it's like hey, this is great. You can just use a stolen credit card and then they'll you know get this product shipped to you and you know the companies will just like they don't know what to do with it. They'll write it off. But what ended up happening, he ended up like, so his buddy like bought a computer online somehow early on and then shipped it to him so that it was like, Oh, I, I never got, I don't have it here or whatever. Like he had plausible deniability and there, it, it turns out like the card company at the time, like went as far as, you know, there was an investigative process. The law enforcement got involved and oh, wow. they were able to, f- follow the trail and actually uh uh it got back to me you know they, they panicked the, the long story short the the guy that stole the credit cards was panicked enough that you know he got caught that he was frantically like calling my roommate at the time going like you need to send this thing back to me now they're gonna throw me in jail like i need to ret-. you know it was it ended up being this thing and, and i remember just being like well good like i'm glad that there are systems in place i don't think that that is the landscape anymore yeah. because there is so many dollars going, you know, transferring around online and all that stuff. Like the amount of resources to go into, you know, uh, legal investigation. Now I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm sure it does. And there's definitely thresholds of like when you get into wire fraud mm-hmm. and massive you know, amounts of stuff where resources will be allocated. But uh, it, it, unfortunately a lot of criminals out there, like I think no, and, and as it's become a global thing, too, dealing with people that are outside of the country and we have international shipping and how much harder it is to pursue yes. across borders and all that stuff. And, and, and criminals know that and they get more refined in, in their tactics, uh, unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, 
So, you know, as a business owner, you're like, oh, geez, like, you know, this the whole point of this isn't necessarily to scare anybody into saying, like, ah, oh, this isn't worth it. Um, you know, that I had a tweet yesterday where it's like, as painful as these mistakes are sometimes, where, you know, you have an order and you maybe accidentally ship it, not realizing, like, oh, this is potentially a fraudulent order. Um, that it's that there are lessons in here and that they will make you better off like like as painful as it is to to have to go through this it's better to happen early and to learn that lesson and to you know be more mindful of it for the future and so you know my hope is that others out there as you're getting involved like don't have to experience the pain of it you know at first because one of the challenges when you're solo and you're bootstrapping you're learning as you go you don't you don't necessarily have anybody with that that wisdom to impart on you. Like these third parties, like nobody, like Shopify is not telling me what to do. Like the banks aren't telling you like how to, you know, what tools you need to have in place. You have to you have to learn it on your own, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times that, that that makes you feel like you're out on an island. <laughs> Say as a business owner, just like uh, you know, hoping that you are able to put these things in place before it becomes a, a really really painful problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, do you want to do you want to jump into your story a little bit and and kind of share what's what's happened to you recently? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have sorry. Yeah, so what kind of triggered the whole the whole thing? Uh, sh- sure. Yeah, I will. Uh, story time, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody, sit down and let me tell you a tale. Um, so uh, this this happened to me back in uh, November. So a lot of you guys that follow my store and stuff know that that uh, um, we resell. Uh, the Creality CR30. I don't do printer resales, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be a, a one-stop 3D printing shop out there. But because we use the belt printers for our own production, uh, a lot of times, like I'll, I'll strategize it from a business decision standpoint. Like, how can I uh, get the tools that I want uh, at, a, at an affordable cost for my company, and then perhaps you know pay for it um, using other means? So in the case of the CR30. You know, I wanted to have a farm of these things, uh, but I needed to mm-hmm. buy at a scale that was more than I needed if I wanted like wholesale pricing. And so I said, okay, well, how about I buy, you know, the amount I need so I keep 10 for myself and then I, I resell the rest. Uh, and that worked out for the most part really well for us, but it was by far the, the highest dollar thing that we ever sold on the site. And I didn't have really any experience with that at the time, so this is a this is a uh, originally like an eleven ninety nine uh, retail printer. It's kind of since come down uh, a little bit, so it's about a thousand dollar three D printer. For those okay. of you who don't know the CR thirty, it's a belt printer and stuff like that. But it's not uh, so. It's not certainly the most expensive thing that people are paying for online. But for me, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's at a it's at a dollar point right where. You know the credit card fees are a three percent fee on a thousand dollars is thirty bucks, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, thinking about the, the the scale of of everything is is certainly much higher. So, uh, unfortunately, we you know we were selling for a while and it was great and all this stuff. And and come I want to say November or whatever, I had an order uh, that uh, came in that was um, flagged in my in my store as a high risk order and you can kind of speak to this for a second but like a lot of the card processors now mm-hmm. have these tools in place where they're kind of verifying like did you know does the address match up with the billing address is the zip code like were they ordering from an ip address that's in you know generally in the area like they kind of look at these metrics right to determine yeah like 
what are the odds of this being a legit order versus a fraudulent order? So you use, uh, what, Stripe for your system, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and hey, Pooch, real quick, it sounds like you're uh, dropping some uh, uh, some connectivity. I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a little hard to hear you sometimes, though. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, just uh, want, well, just wanted I'll, to let you know. <laughs> okay. I'll, tr- I'll try keeping on. I don't know if you guys are experiencing the same thing or if it's something on oh. Andrew's side. Give us a high sign if you're uh, – maybe we're losing Andrew. But I'll, I'll continue on with the story. I'm not sure what to do. I'm, I'm in my house with Wi-Fi, so hopefully it's coming through clean for, for the rest of you. Michelle says we're good. So uh, who knows? You never know what this technology would end its on. But to continue on with the story um, – the the order was you know flagged as high fraudulent which happens sometimes and it can be uh a potentially like a false positive um but it can also be you know fraudulent and so you know there's some things in place that the the credit card systems do shopify actually uses stripe as its payment gateway and then shopify kind of layers on this uh uh you know, analysis every time that an order comes in to, to analyze the amount of risk uh, on the order. And uh, in this particular case, the the flags were such that it was saying um, not that, that things were particularly suspect, but just like that, that they weren't able to get some of the data. So it wasn't like red flags, but it was like, well, we're not quite sure here. Um, and so mm-hmm. I, I went through and uh, um, did some extra diligence because it's you know it, was, it ended up being like a twelve hundred dollar purchase. Um, I contacted the customer. Uh, I said, "Look, this is a high dollar thing, and we're concerned with fraud. Um, I need you to send me you know a copy of a photo ID and a, and a bill that matches you know the shipping address, uh, uh, like a you know utility bill or something like that." And they were very friendly and understanding and receptive. I don't know what's going on. I haven't had problems with this card before. You know that usual thing. And so they, they, sure enough, they sent me an electrical bill and, you know, a shot of their um, driver's license and were very like, you know, obviously, please, you know, destroy this once you're done, whatever. They, they were concerned about the privacy aspect. They were responding in a way that just seemed like very normal, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, I look at it and, uh, you know, everything seemed good. It was just going down to L.A. Um, and so I said, yeah, okay. Um, they, they were communicative. They were responsive right away. Uh, I didn't have any particular feeling, uh, reason to be suspect. Uh, sure. Well, well, as it turns out, um, you know, we ended up shipping the thing. And then about a month later, uh, I get a chargeback on the order. Uh-huh. It, and uh, the, you know, as it turns out, it, they had used a stolen credit card and, um, and and I, as I dug deeper, I found out they sent me a fake ID. They had like actually forged uh, this woman's card that they the name on the license, and uh, you know because they they just emailed me a digital copy, right? And mm-hmm. so, so I was like, damn it, you know, I thought I was doing my thing. And then same thing with this utility bill. They had apparently just somehow forged a utility bill because as we dug deeper, we found out like the address that said, you know, apartment, whatever, da, 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 ended up being like a warehouse down in LA somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I felt really stupid, you know, it's, it's hard not to kind of blame yourself. Like I should, and then once I started scrutinizing the ID, I was like, 
you know the crop on that image just seems like slightly off but you'd like really have to dry you know dial mm-hmm. in. oh yeah I'm, I'm kicking myself why didn't i catch this why you know yeah and, and uh um and so of course the bank was like well you know we're sorry it happened but it's not like you know we have to approve this chargeback the woman had her yeah. card stolen it's not fair that she just have to pay for it yeah uh, um and so as the business owner you're out and then the the thing that that surprised me most about the whole process though was that there was no like what you need to do is call the police file a police report it was just like well you know sorry that's uh that's it bye that's it um, <laughs> yeah and the same thing with shopify like oh it, it happens you know um and i was like well this is you know this is not this is not like a a hundred twenty dollar purchase a hundred you know this is that's a substantial amount of money to you know be out and and the product oh and then well, yeah. the, and the shipping and you and know the, and the shipping and then the, the real kick in the nuts where the the bank tax on a 15 dollar chargeback fee you know yep. on that like it's just like insult to injury right like, yep thanks thanks for that um yep. and uh and so then you know i started I'm, okay well how do i prevent this from happening in the future and i started really driving in on like how the the risk analysis system that Shopify employs works. Um, you know, I, I I did a lot of reading on like what what better ways are there ver- you know to verify somebody's address and ID and you know all mm-hmm. that stuff. And yes, there are tools out there, and of course, a lot of them are like paid. You know, like it'd be yep. great if everybody had to be ID.me, you know, verified uh, in order to buy. But then then you start putting up too many barriers, and people aren't going to buy. Right? Yep. Yep. So absolutely. You're, you're constantly confronted with these choices of like, you know, and, and then and then you start doing the calculus in your head. Well, how often is this happening versus being good transactions, and like to what extent and how much effort do I want to put into this to potentially you know prevent a thousand dollar theft once a year or whatever it ends up being. Now, mm-hmm. the truth is, is as you grow, it's 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 almost always a, a percentage, some percentage of your sales. So that will. That will it only, will increase over it, time. It will only increase. So you need to be aware of it. You need to have a plan. Um, I, I would say, you know, the major takeaways I had from from this one was, the, I, I I certainly take the high the high fraud ranking thing far more seriously. Like even though they don't necessarily reveal like the secret sauce b- behind why they think it's fraudulent, there's definitely some mechanics going on back there. Um, and you know, when you're a growing company, you know, you want you, you want those sales to be good because you want to realize I want to sell stuff, right? I don't, I don't want to just cancel an order because it may be fraudulent. I, I've certainly had other orders that came in that were flagged as like this is suspicious, and they were totally fine. Yeah, um, it worked out great. It it literally was just kind of a false positive, or yep. they they had they just happened to have an account where like a card had been stolen before, and so there was just some kind of flag on it. Um, yeah. What what I will say I learned from this particular experience was that one any any digital trans transmission that's happening uh, is always subject to forgery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, people are pretty. I, I think you kind of have to develop like some degree of reading people. And I made the mistake of just communicating via text and email with this person originally. Um, mm-hmm. when it happens now, I will actually pick up the phone yep. uh, and call. make them call, make them call you speak on the phone and make, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yep. Or I'll, I'll try the number that they provide. Now here's the thing. The, 
you know, fraudsters, you know, kind of know it's like they, if they're using a stolen credit card, it's like oftentimes like that billing info has to match that card. Right. But they don't necessarily want it shipped where, where yes. that is. And so anytime that there's a mismatch there, that's automatically a flag, whether the yep. card card flags it or not. Um, and certainly we have internal policies now where it's like, Hey, if this is over $500, like we need to go through some extra steps, whether it's been flagged or not, just to verify that this is legit. Um, obviously if you're dealing with anything that's going international, yep, that's a big concern because you're not getting that back. Like, nope. <laughs> if, if that, once that leaves the country, you know, that's, that's, that's not, that's not coming back to you. And so, um, this may not be you know, particularly relevant to people that having, you know, smaller Etsy shops that are dealing just domestically low dollar stuff. A mm-hmm. lot of that stuff you're going to find, even if it is fraudulent, even if there is a chargeback and stuff, it's, it probably isn't going to be worth your time. I'm a stubborn son of a bitch and I, you know, principle <laughs> is strong with me. And so it's yep. like, I want to chase it down a lot of the times at the very beginning, because it's that learning experience, right? Mm-hmm. Like I want to understand what's happening. I want to see where the blind spots were, and I want to deal with that and go forward. Now, this particular case just really hit me personally because I was like, this person just really was just trying to screw me. They and went like, above and beyond, right? They went right? above and beyond to the point where, like, highly illegal, right? So now we've got falsification of, of records, like, all this stuff. And so I, I did end up reporting it. And it turns out there's, you know, certainly they, you can call your local law enforcement and they will take a report and they'll get all the information down. I certainly don't... Uh, uh, expect them to be working in shifts over over this, um, <laughs> you, you know, or I'm not holding my breath that anything is going to come of it. But I do think it is responsible to at least provide that information so that if they start getting – so, for example, this, this went down to L.A. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they start to see reports where a lot of stuff is going to this particular address and stuff – Hopefully, at some point, they can make a bust and get these people dealt with, right? But yep. uh, again, as far as like being able to get my money back, I just got screwed on that one. And that was a tough, tough lesson to learn. Um, mm-hmm. On top of, you know, figuring out how to there's – there's something called the IEEE-C or something. It's like the Internet Fraud Reporting System. So there is an actual – uh, entity that that deals with like online crime. I'll have to okay. look it up and provide a link and stuff like that, where you can file reports on there as well. Um, sure. And certainly, if it becomes like a high enough dollar value and stuff, like it can get into like FBI wire fraud, you know, pretty serious uh, yep. stuff. But yep. you know, you're really just helping them build a case, not expecting them to make a bust and get your merchandise or your money back. Yeah. Yeah. So, once once it's gone, it's 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 gone. <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of have to accept the realities of of that and it's, that's always tough. I mean, it, whether it's in your business or your personal life, the the feeling of, you know, the violation that that somebody mm-hmm. would do this to you and and all this stuff. But uh uh you know, on top of that, there's there's third-party tools obviously to layer on stuff. Now, unfortunately, um, I, had, I, I had mentioned to you earlier in the week, I had unearthed some actual pretty major flaws in Shopify's uh, fraud risk analysis system mm-hmm. um, that I am still going back and forth with them on in terms of their responsibility 
uh, for it and escalating and, and all this uh, in the extent that uh, some of the little flags that were indicated on there that said, like, for example, one of the things said like that the billing address country matched the credit card. Um, yes. And in, in this case, it did absolutely 100% did not. The there was stolen, no way. <laughs> the stolen card was used from like an Australian bank. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I only discovered some of this stuff. So y- you can probably share some of the nitty gritty of like how Stripe works and all that stuff. Like there, every time you do a credit card transaction, there is a ton of metadata. A ton. That is, that is flying around in terms of like who the issuing bank was, zip codes, what mm-hmm. matched, what didn't match, all that stuff. And those yep. card processors have a pretty intense, you know, capture and, and analysis of, of an order. Um, yep. And so because Shopify uses it, but then rebrands it as ShopPay, uh, they, thankfully, I, I only discovered in my investigation, like they do actually expose some of that information, but it is so hidden that their, their first level of support doesn't even know it's there. Um, yep. And they, when I first approached them about this and said, well, can you at least tell me who the issuing bank that issued the chargeback was so I can call them and find out what's my process for filing a police report? Or actually, I, I needed that bank info for my police report. And they originally yep. told me, oh, we can't provide that. We don't have that. Uh, we're not allowed to share that. And and that's a that's a big fail, in my opinion. on Huge on, fail. On, on Shopify's part because, A, it wasn't true. And B, yep. if I am paying you to, to take the credit card info and, and be insulated from like, I need to trust that that yep. info that you're giving me is correct, right? Yeah. So if I had known that it was a, a, a Australian credit card being used uh, to, to ship to, you know, something to L.A., um, that would have been a huge red flag. <laughs> it, it, it was. It would have been a huge red flag, and it would absolutely. And but, yep. so, not only did did they not tell me where that card was from, uh, just in this analysis, but then they it, it explicitly said that that it matched when it did not. Um, yeah. You know that that I mean that changes the calculus entirely, right? And yep. so again, you know, it sucks because it's it's not necessarily like. You know, the, the the criminal is obviously the person that did the stealing here. But now Shopify, I feel like, has some liability in the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. to be continued on how this pans out. Um, but it, it goes – it certainly goes bigger than me. I was able to find some other uh, uh, transactions after the fact that we caught, thankfully, that didn't end up being uh, as bad as this particular one. But same thing. Uh, overseas yep. credit card used. And at no point is it flagged like – wait a minute this card is coming from malaysia the person that ordered is somewhere in ukraine and uh it's being shipped to like a delaware reshipper i mean it was like just blatantly like do not send this this is not legit and you come across that stuff uh, yeah and and you you said that one ended up in a chargeback too right where it did end up in a chargeback but i was only out the fees because it was for a pre-ordered item that ah. was not available to ship. So thankfully, see, the part of the problem is the latency, right, between yep. when people catch the yep. transaction. Because people, you know, at best, if they're reviewing their bank statements or, you know, maybe looking at it, it can be a month out. It can be two months out before the chargeback comes in. And so mm-hmm. so a lot of times that money gets pulled back. And I, I don't know if it's different for different banks, but 
I don't know that there's a statute of limitations on like how far out until they can pull money back on a transaction uh, sure. as fraudulent. In the case of PayPal, I do know that it's six months after six months, you're not allowed to um, utilize the payment protections on PayPal. So just yeah. caution everything for anybody using that for, for yeah. you know pre-order or Kickstarter order or anything like that where you might have a longer time frame. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, so that's part of the challenge, right? So you don't know, like it, everything just seemed like it was fine and dandy. Hey, you got the printer. Like it, in the case of, of this one, I didn't, I didn't follow up and just say, Hey, did you get it? Are you printing? Okay. Or you know, all this stuff. Um, I do that now. Uh, I just had another order for, um, a, a, a similar printer go, just going to Louisiana. And then this time I called the customer and it was very clear. He was like, you know, he was explaining he, what he was happy about being able to get into belt printing. And he, he was able to verify what bank and all, all kinds of extra details that I knew to ask after going through this first thing. But, um, you know, the, the, this is, that's a, just a live and learn experience. Um, and he wasn't flagged as fraudulent either. It was just, it was flagged internally as being a high dollar order. Sure. So I know that's a lot. You know, that's a lot. That's a big story. There's a lot to, to digest and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the other things we did was we installed some extra tools on the website itself that um, will just automatically um, just uh, it, anything that's deemed high risk by the Stripe system at this point. We just we automatically void and yeah. I will contact. Yep. And thankfully, it, it will void it before it captures payment. Yeah. The part of part of the challenge with, um, and if you guys are getting into taking online payments, the there's kind of two two ways you can approach uh, taking a payment online. A lot of people have what's called authorize uh, and then capture, mm -hmm. where you will uh, simply just make sure that they have the the money, the credit available mm -hmm. to them. And at the point you ship or before you ship, you will capture where you actually physically have the money transferred. The point that you capture is where the where the credit card company will take mm -hmm. its fee. Yep. Right. And so the alternative is you can just capture right away. But if somebody cancels the order or if something happens, like the credit card company always keeps their fee mm -hmm. now. Right. And so on a thousand dollar purchase, if you capture right away, which by default, it was simpler to not have to manually go through and authorize each thing. You know, it's it's a time savings thing. We would just automatically capture. The problem was is if there was an issue with the order, if there was fraud, if it was canceled, we would always lose that three percent. Um, and uh, and so sometimes you're 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 doing a little risk analysis there of well, look, if I'm already out this money, you know, do I want to try to salvage the sale or just just eat the thirty bucks because it's better than eating twelve hundred yeah. bucks, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, since then I've learned of some tools that, that are able to do some better automation around capture. Uh, what it would do is it would do an authorization and then it would look at the fraud analysis and there's some automation tools that say if it's, it's classified high, high risk automatically void. And then I can at least go back and contact the customer and say, do you have a different card or, you know, this, this payment isn't working for us. This wasn't, this was kind of fishy or do my investigation preemptively, not after the fact. Mm -hmm. right? Yep. So, so that, that was handy. And then what it does, if it's not fraud, then it will automatically do the capture. So it was kind of a little bit of the best of both worlds, but of course it was a, you know, paid subscription or you, you only got like, you know, your first hundred transactions free and then you had yep. to, to, to do that. So yeah, 
opportunities abound for other companies to make money off of that. Off of that. <laughs> uh, looks like Vishal has a, has a question or a comment. Should we bring let's him in? Let's do it. And, uh, let's let's. Uh, it's question and comment time, everybody. Let's uh, let's see. Here we go. We'll add you in here. Vishal, good morning. You're on with uh, Pooch and Andrew. Let's see if you can get unmuted here. Hey, good morning. Hey, hey. Conversation there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, lot there, yeah. huh? I just wanted to chime in, and, and I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, there is also like a drop shipping scam that's going on where uh, somebody approaches you saying, you know, they're going to drop ship, sets up the website, and starts drop shipping your products. Um, they kind of advertise on Facebook, and then once you have kind of, you know, shipped a lot of product, they kind of disappear. Uh, mm. So uh, that's that's prick. That's nefarious. I hadn't I hadn't heard that. So you, they basically are asking if they can get signed up as a reseller for your product, and then they're never paying you for the product. Yeah, and and it's like a lot of product. Like they disappear. Like they ask credit for like three months or four months, and after shipping for four months, they're gone. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that's dude, that's bad. So you also um, have a reputation loss because end of day, it's your product. Yeah, that's right. That's a double whammy. That's, yeah, and like what one of the big names in three D printing is right now uh, dealing with that. Um, the the second scam that I uh, recently came across was um, somebody wanting to uh, give me a great deal shipping and wanting all my shipping data and so this person called me saying you know they're from xyz company and uh, they work with ups dhl fedex and everyone and they can give me a great deal on shipping and they wanted like three months of my shipping data but they also wanted names and addresses and the size of box and you know how much i paid etc um Oh, and wow. when I asked them to, you know, drop me an email or send me a text so I can, you know, send my email to them because this was just a, like a random phone call. They never came back. Like, like a marketing person never came back was like an immediate red flag. And I looked up on Google, like what, what this company is. I couldn't find the name. But when I went on yeah. Reddit forums for e-commerce and I posted there and they said, this is a common scam to get data like to steal data wow. interesting you know what's what's particularly nefarious about that one too is that that uh well one you could be liable for you know data sharing like if you're not disclosing you know personal information sharing and stuff uh, that that can come back to haunt you in multiple ways mm-hmm. um but uh you know i first of all thank you for sharing those things i mean the, the complexity of some of these scams and fraud things out there these days you know is 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 high and uh it sucks that you know we feel like we have to educate ourselves and be aware of this but i mean it is it is uh you know developing a good gut feel for what seems fishy and like what how do you combat it and you vishal obviously did the right thing it's like I've never heard of this guy before. Like, let's utilize some internet resources here. Like, do a web search. Like, see if things just like, like 
match up the way that you suspect that they should. Andrew, you particularly good, I think, at sniffing out stuff like that because you had some really interesting thoughts um, for me when I was going through some of the fraud stuff about like, we'll do a reverse phone lookup on the on the phone number and yeah. you know, stuff like that. Like, pay the two bucks uh, just to see. Or, or subscribe to one of those things um, and, uh, you know, use that as a metric for just seeing if the data matches up, right? Yeah, Does it pass yeah. the smell test? We, we, we kind of have systems in place. Um, you know, our products are not technically really high value, right? Um, you know, average order somewhere around $50, give or take. So, you know, chargebacks, if they were to happen, they're relatively small. Um, you know, yeah, sure, it would suck. But, um, you know, we've in the past used, uh, you know, where we've had, you know, orders come in, and we just want to verify, like, uh, you know, someone ordered under the name of a company, a really large company. And, you mm -hmm. know, before we shipped it, we wanted to make for sure full for one, that person actually worked at said company. So, you know, that's pretty easy. Hop on LinkedIn, try and find that person, make for sure that they're actually work for that company. Um, two, make for sure that, you know, the phone number that they provided matched up, make for sure that that person lived in that rough location. Um, you know, cause this was a order for several hundred dollars worth of worth of product. It wasn't uh, huge, but yeah, you know, once we did that, it checked out and we're like, okay, yeah, Hey, let's go ahead and ship it. Um, you know, not a, not a big deal. Um, but it was also us being curious and nosy, uh, trying to figure out why this particular company was ordering our products to begin with. <laughs> sure. Sure. And so. it, What's crazy about this is it's like, okay, so on top of like having to educate yourself in the ways of pack and ship and finance and all this stuff, now you've got to be a sleuth uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, like kind of, kind of hunt down if something is, is legit or not. Uh, Michelle, I want you, I want to thank you for, you know, sharing those things for us because obviously having an awareness uh, and, and as much as I hate Reddit and stuff, like I do see it as a great platform a lot of times where people will actually share experiences like this so you can really quickly like hey has anybody else ever come across this and i'll see it come back um on 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 forums and stuff like that so I, I that's why i think it is important to do the police reports to to file things to be part of uh groups online and stuff like that so that we can help everybody uh, uh be aware and, and promote this but i want to go back for a second on the first thing he brought up about the uh the drop shipper uh, scam because um, I don't know about you, Andrew, but it's like, you know, I don't extend terms to anyone that I don't know and haven't worked for, like worked with in a while. And I know that that's not yeah. like it's a lot of companies will just like extend terms to any new, you know, person approaching them and stuff like that. But some are better than others, like in terms of like having them sign a reseller agreement, um, having them provide credit references, yep. you know, all that stuff. Like, you know, you really have to stop and ask yourself, like, am I willing to to just float, you know, this person that I've never met before? Um, but sadly, you know, people, the temptation as a business owner to want that business, to want that money. Yep. And growth is is high, right? So you can't, you can't let the, I don't want to say it's, eh, I guess it's greed to some extent, you know, you don't want that greed to dictate uh, uh, too much, or I don't know. Greed seems in intense. Like you, you want the sale, you want the growth, and all yeah. that. Stuff. Like yeah, that's but you what can't, we're here. You can't sacrifice. You can't sacrifice your own growth. Um, you know, for someone else's, right? Um, and a lot of times, right? A lot of these resellers or you know just d distribution partners, drop shippers, they leverage 
this negative account balance, right, or positive account balance, where what they'll do is they'll get product in and they'll have terms 30, 60, 90 days. And, you know, they collect the money, they capture the payments for the, the products immediately, right? Yep. And yep. they're shipping out these, these products, and they don't have to pay you for the products for 90 days. Well, they're so not even the shipping. Like, you're exactly. doing all the work, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that's that's where it gets it gets really confusing. And and for us, you know, we have a we have a company policy that we don't extend terms to anyone at all. Um, all of our products for our resellers are paid up front. Um, it's just being bootstrapped. That's how it is. And we told everyone, you know, that we started doing business with. This is how it's got to be. We we won't issue terms because we are bootstrapped because we are small. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, we want to give you the best possible discount. And yep. you know. That's just that's how we structure our relationship. Now, moving forward, as we've grown, we've started to be able to leverage and establish essentially credit references of our own so that and some, you know, some of our products were able to leverage terms like our, our uh, materials. Right. Yeah. And so now we're starting to establish credit references of our own. So in some of our larger resellers or ones that we've worked with for long periods of time, we're starting to be a little bit more relaxed saying, okay, hey, let's let's figure out a, a better working relationship to, just to make the, you know, the everything work better. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you grow, I think that's just, again, part of growing up and maturing as a business, um, yeah. you know, just in general. Yeah. Um... I, uh, I I think that, that for those – first of all, there's a lot of money to be made on the float. And, and by that I mean like, uh, you know, the, exactly what uh, you're just talking about. Like we talk about credit terms like it's very common for bigger companies, if you guys don't know this, out there to request like, yeah, we want to work with you and we'll put this $20,000 order in 50, whatever it ends up being. But, we, you know, we need a, a 30 day net 30 is what that's mm -hmm. often called. Like we get 30 days to pay the bill. Yep. Um, and and that, you know, it doesn't take when you're small, it doesn't take a miscalcul a very large miscalculation like that to be a potentially a major hit on on who you are. And so those I'm with I'm with Andrew. I'm very conservative. Like I don't let the fear of them walking dictate. You know the the I'm going to extend these terms or not. I just like nope. We're paid in advance. Yeah. Uh, and with very few exceptions. Uh, you know, unless I like I know who you are and I I have that like. Uh, and but that's partly a luxury of growing to a certain extent too. Uh, but it just depends on how conservative you are, how much risk you want to take on. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I've heard I've heard crazy stories. And, and usually when you get into the big, big companies, like what my ops director used to work for HP. And he said HP was notorious for being abusive. Like, hey, you want us as a customer. You're going to give us 90, 90 day terms, net 90. Mm -hmm. So that's like three months that are going by. And we're talking like you know, $250,000 orders, half million dollar, million dollar orders and stuff like that. That is a long time mm -hmm. for, for you to not be getting paid on, on that. And, and as these, that's the rich get richer, as these companies get bigger, it's like they can afford to throw their weight around that way. Um, uh, because Hey, that if you want to work with us, you want our dollars, you know, this is what you have to do. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it gets scary, especially being a small business, you know, like it, 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 when we I, I could recall getting our first reseller and, you know, they're wanting terms and, you know, having to stand our ground and say, no, 
We can't, yeah. we can't do it. We're not going to do it. Like we, we could have done it. Right. Um, yeah. and we had internal conversations about, do we actually do it? If, if push comes to shove and, you know, we just, we said, you know what, we just got to hold our ground. We got to stand up and say, we're small, but you know, we're, we're trying to build something different here right. and we're, we're not going to, we're not just going to do this. And if this doesn't make sense now, then maybe we'll reevaluate. Right. And did Lead and on. did they did they? Well, here's the thing: Have you ever have you ever done that and had a had a reseller walk on you or like I mean by, by leave like not do the business because you wouldn't extend the terms or do they come back? Because in my experience, they, they'll start they with right that. Back. Yeah, they come right <laughs> they come right back because they want to work with you. They know you have a unique product. You need to have yep. some confidence in in who you are and and your product and stuff. And and you know don't chase the dollars as much as that that fear of like well, I'm going to lose the account is um and that's i know that's easier said than done but uh i think especially as you're small that's the right move um does anybody else have any questions comments that they want to get in before we uh wrap for the day if you do now is your chance um yeah terms and credit extension i mean that guy that's just a whole different animal uh like i said a lot of meat on this this small business growth you know development bone but um we we did have uh, we did have a um, one particular one uh, customer. Um, it was a larger larger reseller um, that we had uh, that we got a authorization from their bank stating that they had the money and that it was going to be wired right because this was an international one and um, this letter of credit re- is that. Yeah, basically it was a letter of credit uh, officially yep. stamped from the bank. I got it delivered to our bank, so I knew it was legit. Um, yep. you know, and it was like, okay, Hey, uh, it wasn't really that we were trying to extend terms. It was, we were trying to work around like international wires and stuff. Um, yep. cause there was like some large fees and we were, we were trying to be accommodating. Right. And, sure. you know, we ended up getting everything ready to go since we had the letter of credit, since the bank said, yes, we're, we're going to make sure it's, you know, able to go over, you know, the moment we release the shipment. Cause you know, it, like for this company, they were also concerned cause we're small. Right. And they're like, well, if I give you the money, what means that you're actually going to ship? Right. And so this sure. was kind of a compromise that we did. And, um, unfortunately for us, it, it kind of turned around to bite us, um, because we, we sent it over and it took almost four or five months to actually get the payment collected. Um, oh, wow. and it was a rather large, you know, we're talking around probably $10,000 worth of, worth of goods. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not trivial, not trivial. Right. Um, we did get small payments, um, here and there, but you know, it wasn't until we, we actually had the attorney send over a legal notice to the bank saying, listen, bank, you sent this over. You said this was good. This person won't release these funds. Um, what's the deal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was then the, the entire story changed. Right. And you know, uh, nothing it was, like throwing a little legal letter at it, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But you, <laughs> you know, you, you can see where, you know, in many cases, right? Um, it would have been it would have been hard had we not been able. Like this happened later on, right? Uh, you know, about a year or so ago. Um, sure. Had we not had the two years, two and a half years of prior growth, we might not have been able to actually pursue that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. We had to front. We had to front some of that money on on legal. We also had to, you know, basically just be persistent. Um, and you know extending those terms to that person and then them violating those terms. Right. Um, you know, is, is, is a form of theft, you know, in, in many cases. 
Um, I mean, that's the way I view it. I I, so. I I agree, and and it's it's kind of a lesser known one because I the, the I call it slow rolling, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like there's definitely these uh, entities out there that they might not be outright stealing, oh, okay, but they're gonna really push the limit mm-hmm. in terms of like I'm only gonna pay you when I absolutely have to, and that is maddening, right? Mm-hmm. To to have to now on top of all the other things I was saying, we have to do is the you know, small business is like, now I got to chase down payments. I've got to, and you start to really resent the fact that I shouldn't have to be doing this, right? Yes. Like shouldn't have to be dealing with filing police reports and dealing with fraud and chasing down bill payments and all this stuff. But it is part of the process. And that is where there's so much that you learn from this. And you, you almost, you have to, you have to go through it. You have to feel that pain to some extent, as much as I hate to say it, guys, like before you really like it really sinks in, at least at least for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we should we should pin that as a potential future topic uh, talking about just international transactions, um, yes. whether, whether it's with or, or even just, you know, the, the discussion of like getting into wholesale real resale, having distributors, because that is a monster of itself and like dealing it with. Is different yeah uh you know thank thankfully there's a lot of better mechanisms in place now for dealing with that and most companies that are of any size and repute are are dealing in u.s dollars and have the ability to send wire transfers and you know all that stuff too but um you know that that road is fraught as well because you know you you start sweating it a little bit when you're like i got a you know eighteen thousand dollar bill i need to get paid here and i how do i know that they're going to be good on it and yep (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, conversely, you know, when you're ordering on the other side, it's like, how do I know they're going to ship? You know, that's why that's why these things like letters of credit exist and 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 whatnot. But uh, it's not a perfect system, is it? Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, uh, w- one of the perfect examples is when we had our injection molded caps made, right? Yep. You know, we paid thousands upon thousands of dollars, but we also leveraged some terms, and you know, that allowed us to, hope, you know, stem some of that some of that pain when, unfortunately, that company went belly up, and <laughs> you know, um, there's mm. definitely some gives and takes. So I, I would love to talk about you know, just those sorts of things later on, um, in another episode in a future one, um, yeah. just, you know, lines of credit terms, um, what you can do to leverage your own position, uh, to grow further. Um, yeah. 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 Lots of cool things. <laughs> it's, it's funny because as a business, it's like you, you want to realize income as quickly as possible, but defer paying any money out as long as possible as well. So it's like, I don't blame you know mm-hmm. them for doing it because it's like yeah i've given the given the opportunity i want to do the same thing but i also don't want to do it at the sake of the relationship right yep. you know so exactly. that's why it's like you know being upfront about what what the terms are what's reasonable what's expected and all that stuff and and i i try to be respectful like i feel terrible when i miss like because i do like like my supplier for like our silica cartridges like they're out of uh massachusetts and i love them they're a great uh company and stuff like that and they give me you know net 30 terms and stuff like that and and of course like there'd be times where it's like i literally just forgot to pay the invoice after the 30 days because you know when you're doing accounts receivable accounts payable again totally a different topic you know you're you're going by you know when it's due you you rank order them by when it's due and if i don't have to pay it for 30 days 
I'm not yep. going to pay for 30 days. But, uh, you know, because I was the accountant and I was juggling all these other things, it would slip. And then, of course, they would email me and be like, hey, we're just checking on, on when this is going to get paid. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I would send the payment. And, then, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I've since thankfully like put some better – have some more resources, have some help with the books now that that, that doesn't happen. But I know the, how frustrating it is to have to chase down those things. And I try to empathize with you know my vendors uh, being on the other side of that and feeling frustrated that I got to chase down other people to pay me. Yep. So, um, I'll, I'll we'll pin that for another time because I, I've I've picked up some pretty interesting tips on figuring out how to get get paid and and gotten some some pointers from some accountants and stuff in terms of like how to word your invoices so that they are ranked in a way that you know you get moved to the top of the payment pile. Um, yep. their strategies by doing like a, you know, a, a net to, you know, a, what is it? A two and 10 net or whatever, where it's like you offer a 2% discount if they pay within 10 days. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those accountants will, will look at these things that are like, okay, I'm going to pay these in the order of like, basically what's going to save us the, the most money. If I get a discount, I'm going to pay this first. And then if I got a penalty, like if I have a late payment tack on, if mm-hmm. I don't pay after this amount, then those get paid second. Then everything else is at the bottom, right? Yep. And so sometimes it's worth it to just offer, like, even if it's just a, a point or something, like offer a little bit just to entice them to pay, so you don't have to spend the time to chase it down. Well, sure, yeah. You know, on a on ten uh, ten thousand dollars PO, you know that that even that point, you know, adds up. You know, two points, three points, again, it adds up pretty quickly. Sure. So sure, you know. Just get that get that money in your bank account when you can. Well, that was yep. a lot, man. That was a lot for today, and uh, it's a, a wild ride, and you know, dealing with the ups and downs, and you know, theft is not a fun topic to talk about. And there's there's no. a million other scams we have, you know, that are out there that I'm sure we've never experienced or we didn't touch on. But I think that the main takeaway that I would leave, and I'll leave you an opportunity to kind of wrap up, you know, what your takeaways are, is that. Uh, figuring out what the smell test is and, and, and kind of honing your uh, abilities to, to just, you know, be cautiously optimistic around stuff mm-hmm. and, and think about what tools you have in place to verify, like what, what parameters that you want to set for your business to um, determine how much effort it's worth to either do preventive maintenance on, on hopefully heading the fraud off before it happens or, you know, how much work you want to do to chase down stuff after the fact, whether it's just somebody slowing your payments mm-hmm. or, or um, dealing with trying to recover stuff or, or combating chargebacks or any of that stuff. Um, a lot of it is you, you kind of got to hone your feel on people and, and use your communication tools too. Like I said, um, reach out to your customers. Uh, you know, sometimes picking up the phone. We, we really avoid picking up the phone a lot in this day and age, but you, you should pretty much know if something just doesn't feel right within a a minute or two of talking to somebody. Right. Uh, you know, these, a lot of these people are not very uh, astute in the ways of just human interaction a lot of the time too. And so if like, you're just asking them a couple of basic questions around like, well, what's the shipping address? What's the card? And, And they're stumbling or they're trying to figure out because if it's a fraud, a lot of times they're using different cards for different things and they're not going to immediately have mm-hmm. that available. And so you, you'll, you know, you get a feel. Yeah. Um, so anyway, learn, learn to feel that out. Um, and again, just think about how much trust you're putting out there and really how much of a stranger all these people are. Right. I think it's easy for us to feel like, Oh, 
we're part of a small community and like we're only dealing with people that you know are savory individuals which is becomes more and more not the case as you get bigger right Um, absolutely (laughs) yeah so what do you what are your takeaways yeah i mean the the biggest thing for me i think is is um just figuring out how best to normalize your own sort of interactions um with your with your business right um it is acceptable to chalk things up as as saying, okay, this is a cost of doing business, right? Um, but they're also, you know, you need to be careful because that becomes a very slippery slope. Um, you know, I, I think for, for everyone, it's always good to just take a step back, look at the, you know, 20, 30,000 foot view of things and see, you know, is this, is is your decision to either chase this the right one or is it um you know your decision just to let it go and move on and say it's a cost of doing business the right one um you know everyone's going to have a different perspective um and you know yeah. it comes down to figuring out what's right for your business um you know it always sucks to have people come and steal from you um you know and unfortunately that's the world we live in right um yeah. it will happen at some point and when it does um, you know, you, you know, your first time is going to suck the worst. The second time is going to feel a little bit less painful, but it's still going to suck. Um, you know, and each additional time after that, I think you normalize it, but you know, it, again, depends on the level of normalization. Um, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, um, well, and there, I, there's, there's some amount of pride swallowing. I think that you have to learn too, like mm-hmm. you said, like as much as it's, you know, the right answer is just to let this go for my own sanity for the sake of the business or whatever. But mm-hmm. that's a hard, that's a hard thing. It's like, you don't want to like, I don't want to let this guy win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I want to win. I want to, I want to show it to him. You know, I, I want to, I, yeah. I, I want to turn this bad thing around. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that mentality, um, especially when it's, you know, it, it's something that you're learning about, too. Um, and, you know, like, you know, what you shared with your story, you actually discovered something unique in that because you were persistent and pushing, you found errors that were presented to you as, as truths. And that would have changed the equation. Um, sure. And I think that there's something to be said for you know, again, just taking a little bit extra time to say, okay, let me look into this a little bit more, see what I could have done differently, and see how I can evaluate future transactions from, you know, negative things happening again. And I think that's what you were doing. I think ultimately you were doing a healthy activity. And then what you found was, you know, something blatantly wrong and incorrect. And you're like, well, wait a second. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, now you now I think, you know, you kind of owe it to yourself to see it through. But I think you also, you know, have a, a unique opportunity to potentially correct something that's been incorrect for a long time, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, well, and who knows how many other companies have been affected by this, mm-hmm. too? I mean, like this is potentially, you know, a big a big deal. So I, I'll 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 update as you know i know more but it's i i i don't know if i have a weird tendency to just stumble across these weird things <laughs> uh it feels that way uh because you know that is how i learn like you said like it, it's frustrating at the time and it's sometimes it's motivated by by pride or refuse stubbornness or refusal to like i'm like i'm not willing to just swallow 1200 bucks on this like what the heck happened here yeah. um and yeah i take some responsibility for for being overly 
trusting, even though I thought I was going to like extra ends to do this validation. Like I just got, I got hoodwinked. Somebody gave me fake ID and uh, mm-hmm. fake information. And I just, I was too trusting that I was thinking uh, that, you know, this, this, I thought it passed the smell test. It did not. Um, yep. But, uh, you know, to some extent there, there is amount of pride swallowing you have to appreciate and understand. And it takes, takes a while, but hopefully, you know, lesson learned and uh, we do better next time. So, yeah, man, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge and, you know, you can't let it beat you down. And, and there's days where you're going to feel like you want to throw your hands up and give up as a result of it. But the truth is you got to get to tomorrow and uh, you got to look at the big picture and say like, well, look, the overall trend, like the amount of fraud, like when, one of the things that helped me cope was when I looked at how many of these issues have I had, how many chargebacks have I really had in the scope of the thousands and thousands of orders we've done very low, probably less than a percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of those, like I've only lost one and that was what we would consider like a wash. Like it was just more of a issue. Mm-hmm. We didn't even get into like how many people threaten chargebacks, like oh, out yeah. of the entitlement and stuff. Like you'll come across that maybe like a, just a really quick snippet for you guys. Like anybody that is threatening a chargeback, I, that immediately changes the equation of my interaction yep. with them because you are now threatening to steal from me. Like I have no problem um, having yep. the conversation around like if you're unhappy with my product, how can we make it right and stuff. But if you're going to immediately threaten like I don't need this and, and I'm just going to get my money back and keep keep your stuff. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's uh, that's stealing from me and you are persona non grata now. So, you know, you get banned yep. from the site, you get all this stuff and then I immediately escalate it to uh, we are doing X, Y, Z and if you want to issue that, that's fine. But um, one of the reasons we try to communicate over email and stuff is because there is a written record there that mm-hmm. you actually will submit in the case of a chargeback that is – Nine times out of ten, just evidence of this person just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. So I've had a couple of times where they were just like, I don't think they really had any uh, intent of acting in good faith from the get go. They were just looking for a freebie because a lot of times people know, like Amazon. I don't know. You can pull, you can pull that with Amazon. People do that all the time. Oh, I yep. bought it. Oh, I'm unhappy with this, and Amazon doesn't care because they just charge it back to the main vendor, and yep. so they're like, okay, you just keep it, you know. And so it's it's set bad expectations bad actors in in motion and um you really that'd have be to a, you that'd really be a great conversation for a future episode like you have uh, to fight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is and that is another one and i'm sure some of you guys may have come across that yourselves too so but yeah. uh listen we've gone we've gone uh it's about 80 minutes now i think this is a good point to wrap up i want to thank you guys all for joining us this friday i hope you have a fantastic weekend coming up um, I want to thank, uh, Vishal for, for chiming in and every, you know, everybody who's participated in this, uh, this has been a real joy for us, uh, have you guys along on this, uh, exploration, this, this journey for us, because as we always like to disclaim, we don't claim to have it figured out. No, <laughs> um, we are learning as we go to, and, uh, I appreciate having you guys along on our journey with us. So thank you so much. Andrew, I will talk to you soon. Be well, my friend. Awesome. Thank you. You too. See you, everybody. See you.